Hello fun fearless and beautiful women. I'm your host Nidhi and here I discuss important issues that affect women which often get sidelined by popular media. Why do mothers who contribute up to 39% of GDP go unnoticed by policymakers and society? How has COVID negatively affected the work-life balance of working women? How have female leaders such as Jacinda Ardern and Angela Merkel managed to sail their countries through the current crisis? And why I chose to keep my grey hair natural? No topic is off limits and research is my strongest weapon to bring attention to matters close to a woman's heart. I also have real conversations with women who are creating their own path and ask them to share their secret sauce with us. Think of this as a thought-provoking hour with your gal pal that inspires you to be the change. Together we are unstoppable. Hello everyone. Thank you for joining me for a brand new episode of Unstoppable. In today's episode, we are speaking to Tanya, who runs the very popular website Swiss Family Fun. And if you are a travel blogger or Instagrammer, then today's episode is especially for you. She shares how to negotiate a brand deal. She also tells us how to build a community. and she shares her real honest feelings about social media versus blogging tanya's blog gets around 200000 views a month and she has partnered with my switzerland lucerne tourism board and many others so what are we waiting for let's dive in I did a lot of pitching. I would just send out emails randomly to lots of different places and I got a lot of those. I got a lot of ignored <laughs> where they never responded to me. And then I try not to think of think of us as competitors. I mean, there's a lot of other um you know traveling families within Switzerland that are posting similar content to me. And there was a period where I was jealous and I was feeling that oh how am i going to do better than them and then i just switched my mindset to say look there's room for all of us we all bring a different perspective we're living in different parts of the country and we should all bring each other other up together we should bring each other up instead of trying to outshine the others and so that's been my attitude for the last 4 years it's just how can we work together and support each other and i think it benefits all of us what really helped me was when I got people other influencers to tell me what they were doing. People try and be they're very they hold this information very close and they don't want to tell people how much they're getting paid. They don't want to tell them who they're working with. They don't want to tell anyone anything. I'm the complete opposite. I tell everyone everything because I think information is power. You know, I like working with brands that are a really good fit like the ones that I've done recently where they're all working with tourism boards and working with mountain resorts i like that because i want to promote them anyway today we have tanya tanya is an american swiss who moved to switzerland in 2005 and fell in love with the swiss alps since then she has done hundreds of hikes with her family but has also documented them in her blog swiss family fun which contains all the relevant details from ticket prices to the hiking route and the playgrounds her website 
is a one-stop shop if you're planning a Swiss holiday. And although we have never spoken before, I truly admire her spirit for the outdoors and she's my favorite mountain girl. Tanya, a warm welcome to my show. Thank you. That was such a nice introduction and yeah, glad to have this opportunity to speak with you. Great. And I truly meant all of those. Whenever I look at your pictures on Instagram or on your blog, I'm like, wow, she really enjoys this. I do. I love this myself, but I have to say the passion for me is sharing information. So I have a background in technical writing when I first started my career, and I just really have a passion for communication and for helping people understand things better. And so I've kind of brought those two passions together, passion for communicating, passion for hiking. And it just makes me really happy when I'm able to help other families and other individuals get out there and enjoy the Swiss Alps and not have the stress of, you know, if they have a language barrier or they're not really outdoors people, I still want them to be able to enjoy it uh, yeah, without that stress. Yeah. And it really shows on your blog because something that really stands out is the fact that you have a, a GPS map and you also have the information of which train station you'll be getting on on and the ticket prices as well, which you update frequently. So uh, that that is something that hooks me to your blog. And I first look on your site before heading out somewhere else to look for any information, to supplement any information. So you blend the technical aspect and the communication aspect, as you said, very well. Well, thank you. That's my goal. So mission accomplished. All right. So for the benefit of our listeners, um, could you just start uh, with your journey, how you started writing and uh, how this idea um, came to your mind and germinated into this this website? Yes. So when we moved here to Switzerland, my son was one and a half at the time. I had left my job uh, in San Francisco. I was working as a product manager and a UX designer uh, full-time. And then we came here and now I was a full-time mom in a country where I didn't speak the language. I had no friends. And it was a pretty lonely time. So I started going to some play groups, which I had not really done in San Francisco because I was busy working and met a lot of other really interesting people. And we started swapping ideas about fun things to do with the kids. And I offered to the group, oh, I'll create a blog uh, where we can share these ideas together. And I had also created a personal blog. Uh, to share with my family all the activities and things that we were doing here because we were separated. So I thought, okay, well, I can take that experience and then use this uh, with this group to share the ideas just between the little group. And this kind of grew and grew. I was the only one really writing up the activities that we were doing. And everyone felt excited to have the project, but no one really had the passion for writing. So people would tell me about what they were doing, and then I would write it up, and then I'd get them to send me photos. But you know, and they weren't all photographers. So then I think, okay, I'll go do that activity myself and take my own photos. So it just, uh, over time, it became this personal project. I got excited about it. It gave me a reason to go out and explore Switzerland when it was it's sometimes much easier to stay home because of the language barrier and also having a small child. Um, mm-hmm. When you have a uh, stroller and you have to get onto public transportation, you have to ask someone to help you onto the tram, which was always, it, it always made me nervous to even just leave the house. I thought I'm going to have to interact with all these people and just make a fool of myself. 
So this gave me a reason to go out, which I'm so thankful for because it encouraged me to improve my language skills. I got to know Switzerland a lot faster than I would have otherwise. And I started connecting with a much larger community of people because of the blog. I did this for a long time, just writing up all the fun activities for several years before I decided to take it seriously because people kept saying, oh, you know, you have this blog, uh, you should really make money off of it. And I thought, well, how am I going to do that? Uh, but then about four or five years ago, I thought, okay, I'm getting enough traffic on the blog where I think this makes sense. And I started to take it more seriously. I see. And um, in the beginning, when you said that uh, not many people were contributing to the blog and you were probably the only one who was the driving force and writing for the blog, how did you keep um, at it? And what were the small victories or the small gains that you saw uh, coming your way, which keep uh, which kept you motivated? Well, I think at the beginning, it was really just fun for me to write it up and take pictures. And it was just more of a personal passion project. But as I started to get comments from people on the blog and people who I, did, who I had no contact with, you know, it started with a group of moms that I knew from the play group. But as it started to expand and random people I didn't know were leaving comments, it, it got really fun. I started to see that I had a larger influence and that I could help a lot of people that were in my same situation, say three, four years ago, that were new to the country and felt a little lost and needed things to do. And so I just saw how I was helping people and that made me want to do it more and to do it faster because it, it takes a lot of time to put a blog post together. Um, mm -hmm. I would say... I mean, now I'm faster at it because I have a template and a process, but a lot of the blog posts would take me maybe four hours to do. And when you have one little kid or uh, later I had another son, so I had two little kids running around trying to find that time was difficult. Uh, but when I got such great feedback from people, then I felt motivated and I wanted to work on it more. Right. Actually, that was my next question. I was about to ask you, how long does it take to write one piece of travel blog that we... <laughs> We scroll through so quickly to see what's going on. Uh, so what was your daily routine or what is your daily routine now uh, when you're writing a blog um, and uh, maintaining a website? And do you still take, uh, for uh, in terms of uh, having a template in place, does it still take around four hours or has it gone down uh, because of your experience? Uh, it really depends. So having a template has really helped. Um, I mean, we call it a blog, but for me, it's more of a website because I feel like blog blogging is much more of a personal kind of a diary account or where you, yeah, you're giving your personal opinions, which is definitely a part of what I'm doing, but I don't really think of it as a personal diary. I think of it as um, informational. So I try and give my perspective, but I don't, this is not the tail of our day, it's much more functional than that. So I think that's one distinction. And so it really lends itself to a template because of the, the way I'm approaching the content. Whereas if you were writing more of a diary style blog entry, it doesn't lend it to the template as well. So anyway, that helps me go through the content because I have all my sections that have to get filled out. You know, how do you get there? The trail map, the, um, how you arrive, any special features that are there, like the playground or the, um, 
theme trail, these sort of things. So it really helps me organize my thoughts very quickly and just fill out all, all of those sections. So that really helped. That template has changed a lot over time because I get feedback from people or yeah, I just have personal opinions on how to change it. So because I have so much content on the blog, I probably have over 500 posts, I can't go back to the, all the old ones and just update them. So I'm just constantly updating things as I go. And, you know, for example, I might do a new post, but it's in the same area as something else. And I link to an old post. And then I look at the old post and I think, oh my goodness, I, I haven't updated that for five years. I have to go back and update all of the data. So the single post itself might take two or three hours, but then it just becomes this spider web of problems that I have to go solve in the rest of the site. So that can expand my time. But there's definitely stages of what happens. I mean, the beginning of this process is researching the activity. So I often will start writing the post before I even go out because I'm I'm doing, this is something I didn't mention earlier, but I'm doing that research for myself anyway. And so it makes sense that I just use that information or give that information to other people. So when I'm looking, oh, what are the ticket prices? How do I get there in public transportation? What is the route? I often will start the blog post before I go and write up all that information. And then when I get back, I will go and update it because I often learn a lot of things on the site because, oh, that bus doesn't run on Tuesdays or you know something, or there's a discount that I wasn't aware of so that I can come back and update it. Then during the activity, I have always in my mind the pictures that I need to take and the things I need to pay attention to. So where is the playground? Where is the fire pit? Do they have wood there? Um, you know, there's all these things that are rolling around in my mind. So for me, it's I have to have this balance of being present with my family and enjoying the activity and collecting all the information that I need for the blog post. And there are sometimes I get home and I think, oh shoot. You know, we were having a fun time and then I just completely forgot to notice these two or three things that I would have liked to include in the blog post. So it's hard. <laughs> yeah. No, um, when you're talking, I'm getting a sense of for all the things you're saying. It's like really uh, getting to observe how you manage to put these tiny bits together like a jigsaw puzzle to make it look complete, right? Right. And I was I was about to ask you, does your family get irritated like, oh, why should we stand here and take another picture? Or why do we need to spend those extra five minutes trying to uh, read on something, maybe the timetable for the bus? Uh, because you need that information for your blog. Do they do they get irritated at times? They do get irritated at times. And I have to say, there's a big difference between when I do a post that's that's just my post and then ones that are sponsored. So yeah. definitely they get much more irritated with the sponsored posts. And I'm always thinking, should I just stop doing sponsored posts altogether? Because I feel like those ones definitely color the, they change our um, interactions as a family. Because when I'm doing a sponsored post, there are definitely certain things that I have to document and I can't miss them. I mean, if I'm getting paid for it or if they're giving us free tickets, you know, I have much more obligation to do it in a particular way. And but when we're just doing it as a family, then I can say, OK, fine, I'm not going to do that thing. Uh, I'm not going to go over and look at that other part of the activity trail because we just don't have time or people are tired or whatever. And I can make up for it. So for me, that's a really, really 
I mean, we'll get into this later, but in terms of doing this as a business, that is very difficult to balance with the family because my first priority is my family, of course. I mean, we're going out and enjoying this together. And I really try not to make the kids stand in a particular place or do a particular thing unless I have to have it for a sponsored post. And that's why I don't like it because part of what I'm doing is capturing a real family's uh, experience on the mountain. And that's not having a perfect picture in the perfect spot because I don't bring a uh, tripod with me. Almost every picture I take is just on the move. I like, I barely ask anyone to stand anywhere because I don't want, I want them to love being in the mountains and love being together with the family and not think of as a chore. So yeah, it's, I, I make a real effort to try and take my pictures as quickly as possible. Um, and not, yeah, irritate the family too much. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the behind the scenes, uh, that I'm getting to hear. It's like a tightrope walk between the family, what the family needs and what you need for your blog. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and go ahead. Yeah, please continue. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, my family are not, they're not performers. I know that other families, the children like to perform or they like the attention or, you know, there's just different styles. And my kids don't really like getting their picture taken and they don't, they're not actors. Like they would, they would never be in a theater production. This just is not who they are. So I really have to respect that. And I always ask them before I post any pictures, are you okay with this picture? Can this one be on the blog? Because I think it's really important for them to feel like their privacy is protected. And when they were young and they couldn't give me those decisions, I was really careful about putting, uh, I tried to take it farther away from them and not put their faces in it so much because they can't make that decision when they're really young. And when they were older then I would always ask them before I posted something and there's plenty of things that they asked me to please not post and I want to respect that exactly yeah well that's such a wise thing to do right um and in in fact when you mentioned that uh the push and pull between the sponsored post and uh having your own time at the mountain and enjoying as a family that is something uh that uh as an outsider I wouldn't have imagined that I would think that since you have uh, crossed that bridge and and now you have uh, traction from brands, you would feel that, oh, I have crossed that bridge and this is a good step for my blog. But there is um, friction between your interest and the interest of the brands in that sense. Absolutely. I think about quitting all of the sponsored uh, posts and all of the social media um, you know, working with brands, I think about quitting that every day because I feel like it's a real stress and I don't want to be a, a marketing engine. You know, I like working with brands that are a really good fit, like the ones that I've done recently where they're all working with tourism boards and working with mountain resorts. I like that because I want to promote them anyway. And it's great that we can work together to make that happen. And a lot of these collaborations are very flexible, meaning that they don't tell me exactly what I need to do. They're like, look, come there. These are our priorities. And uh, we'd like you to experience these things and you can write what you want. And I love that sort of arrangement because there's not, we don't have to show up at a particular time, at a particular place, and you know, do a particular thing. We we have a lot more flexibility, so those are great. I've done some work where 
there's really a list of things that have to get done and we have to show up and do activities that are not our favorite. And as an adult, that's not a big deal. I'm, <laughs> I, can, I can get along with that and do things that are not my favorite thing to, things to do. But with kids, you know, they are, it's hard to convince them. In some cases, I have negotiated a certain fee for the kids as well to make them feel like they um, have something invested in this because, you know, they don't, they don't, they just think, oh, I'm going to the mountains. They are not thinking, oh, this is part of mom's job, you know? So in a couple of cases, I have negotiated a small fee for the kids. So they, when they have to do specific things that they don't necessarily want to do. And that's been helpful, but it's not my preferred way of working. How did you manage to convince yourself or negotiate a good deal uh, from all the brand endorsements that were coming your way? What was your initial uh, initial way to approach such stuff? And now after having dealt with many brands or a couple of brands, has it changed? It's a great question. Um, I'm just thinking of a lot of different stages that I went through. So right at the beginning where I decided I wanted to, wanted to start working with brands and really hustle, I joined a couple Facebook groups that were bloggers that were collaborating a lot to just see what other people were doing. That was really right. helpful because then I could see what sort of deals they were getting, uh, what sort of questions and problems they had as part of these collaborations. So I looked at a lot of that information before I started going out and hustling my own deals. At the beginning, I did a lot of pitching. I would just send out emails randomly to lots of different places. And I got a lot of no's. I got a lot of ignored <laughs> where they never responded to me. And that was really hard because I, I take rejection really hard. And I really didn't like doing that. I got lucky near the when I say near the beginning, I mean about four or five years ago when I started to take this seriously, I signed up with an influencer agency and they mm -hmm. started bringing me work. And that was great because I did not have to pitch. They would just send me, hey, are you interested in doing this? Here's your fee. Here's the contract. Let us know. And that's great for me because then I can just evaluate the work and say yes or no. I didn't have to hustle it at all. I mean, they don't bring me a lot of work because I'm still quite small. I'm a, definitely a micro-influencer. Uh, but I do get, I don't know, maybe six deals with them over the course of a year. Mm -hmm. What really helped me was when I got other influencers to tell me what they were doing. People try and be, they're very, they hold this information very close and they don't want to yeah. tell people how much they're getting paid. They don't want to tell them who they're working with. They don't want to tell anyone anything. anything I'm yeah. the complete opposite. I tell everyone everything because I think information <laughs> is power. I think that like, for example, at your company, I think everyone should know what other people make. I know that there's like different viewpoints about that, but it's yeah. really disturbing when you find out that someone does the same job as you and they're, they're getting paid 20% more because they mm. went and negotiated. And I don't think that's fair. And I think that the employee should have more power. And I think that's exactly the case here. If there's a brand that's working with two influencers that have a similar um, numbers and a similar audience, and one's getting a lot more because they just knew to ask for it, you know, mm -hmm. we should all have that power. So I am really open about what I'm getting paid and how the negotiations go with my other influencers. And I've convinced some of my friends and other influencers to help to share that information with me. And I think it's helped both of us to have the confidence to ask for more. 
and, and have a better deal right collectively you guys get a better deal when you um understand that okay this person got this so hence i maybe can ask so and so and same same for the other party as well the information that you share might be critical for uh, that influencer to procure a better deal absolutely and i try not to mm-hmm. think of think of us as competitors i mean there's a lot of other um you know, traveling families within Switzerland that are posting similar content to me. And there was a period where I was jealous and I was feeling that, oh, how am I going to do better than them? And then I just switched my mindset to say, look, there's room for all of us. We all bring a different perspective. We're living in different parts of the country and we should all bring each other other up together. We should bring each other up instead of trying to outshine the others. And so that's been my attitude for the last four years. It's just how can we work together and support each other? And I think it benefits all of us. And in fact, a lot of the influencer campaigns I've worked on, they will have a whole handful of influencers do the same campaign at the same time. And it's much more effective. If you're following you know, say 10 different um, traveling families in Switzerland, and they all post about Flensburg, then all of a sudden you're like, why am I hearing about Flensburg so much? It's more effective for them to have everyone talking about it than only one person talking about it. So I see. Mm. And uh, so just to summarize what you said just now is uh, because I think it's important for other uh, listeners who are uh, probably on the same track and looking for collaborations and getting such deals you said that you were part of Facebook groups where you could um, research what what collaborations entail and how you could get and what you could get in those. And you also did some cold emailing to various tourism boards or uh, future collaborators that you could work together with. Yes. And you were part of uh, an, an influencer agency. For the influencer agency particularly, did you have to pay to uh, to get on board with them? And how do you how did you select them that oh this is the right person or this is the right uh, agency to work with? Yeah, I'm working with King Influencers and they approached me. So they had a campaign and the first campaign they pitched me and they said, are you interested? Then you can sign up with us. So then I had to go through you know, some sort of process where they link up to my Instagram and Facebook so they can see all of my stats. And then I fill out I, it was a long time ago, but I filled out some sort of form that talked about my interests and what sort of things I blog about and what sort of campaigns I would like to do. So then they can make a match between me and them. I I work with a few other influencer agencies, but not as kind of a formal relationship. So they will just send me work, but I, I work with them on a regular basis. So in all the cases with the agencies, they've contacted me and I don't know exactly how they find out about me in particular, but I have had a couple breakthrough um, collaborations that I think think that I've gotten noticed through. So for example, last summer or a year ago summer, I did um, a campaign with My Switzerland, which is the you know, Switzerland Tourism Board. And they had 13 different bloggers go to different locations in Switzerland and report back. And then they published that on their website. So for me, that was really high profile. And I think a lot of the agencies paid attention to that. So now I'm on some sort of list. So I think that really helped. So I also belong to a professional organization here in Switzerland that is called the Schweizer Familia Blog. And this is... uh, organized by Rita Angolone. She's uh, also with a couple of the partners and they're organizing uh, Swiss, primarily Swiss family bloggers and helping them organize together, discuss their issues, and then also broker deals with brands within Switzerland. And they have a yearly conference 
where they talk about all sorts of issues related to blocking. Of course, it's in German. So for me, it's only, I speak German, but it's not as comfortable for me. Uh, but mm -hmm. we have a nice relationship and I've done a few campaigns through them as well. And that's been great because they're very supportive of each other and help right. share information. So that's been great. Right. Yeah. And uh, in terms of um, f uh, collaborating with influencers who are working in your area, was that something you, uh, you managed that terrain as well? Or did it happen organically? Were you looking out for somebody that, okay, I'm going to collaborate with uh, such and such person? Or did they approach you? It's been both. So, you know, I'm, of course, following as many other like-minded people on Instagram and other and Facebook because I just want to see what other people are doing. And I'm always sending messages like, oh, that was a great hike. Oh, that was very interesting. And then mm -hmm. as I developed a relationship with them over social media, then it became more comfortable to say like, oh, I saw that you just did a collaboration with so-and-so. Congratulations. What a great job on getting that work. And hey, tell me more about it. So, you know, it was developing a friendship with someone who started out as a stranger, but because we started talking about the type of work that we both do as influencers, then we had shared interests. In some cases, yeah. I've met these people in real life and we've gone to coffee and talked about it because I think being a social media influencer is, well, it's kind of, it's a new sort of field and people are starting to understand it. And it's also really stressful because you're, in one sense, working by yourself, and you don't yeah. really know what you should be doing or how you should be doing it. And so I find it really, really helpful to meet with other people that are doing the same sort of work as myself and just hash through a lot of our issues <laughs> together, because I feel like in many cases, we're, we're flying blind. And if someone has a good tip, uh, then I'm always happy to hear it. You mentioned stress and social media a couple of times in this conversation. So I just wanted to, when, when I saw your interview with uh, Namaste Switzerland, I could see uh, the Zen-like quality that you were so calm and so centered. I was wondering that has that changed because of, uh, uh, because of the collaborations, um, because you mentioned that social media and stress factor. And if, if not, if it's not changed, what keeps you uh, sane in this space of social media? What are your strategies to stay grounded and say, okay, this is my time with my family. I'm not going to get distracted with anything. And this is, uh, this is my social media off day. Do you have any of those restrictions on yourself? Well, I'll start with saying that social media is a huge stress for me. And I, it, it, it is a really a hit to your, my self-confidence. I mean, you're constantly comparing yourself with other people. And so I don't mind the work of social media in terms of like posting my own pictures and posting my own stories. What I don't like about, because I, okay, I like posting my own content because I'm sharing with people and we're having a, um, exchanges and that part is great. The part I don't like is the comparison, looking at the number of likes and getting how many people are commenting because I know those numbers are really important to the brands. And so for me, the stress of thinking, if I post today and that this post flops, is that going to make my whole account less attractive to brands? If I'm posting an Instagram picture for a brand and that post flops, how am I going to get it to have more 
uh, views. You know, I had a post the other day that wasn't sponsored that that got the most likes I've ever gotten before, over a thousand likes. It was so exciting. And then, you know, two posts later, I only got like 250 likes. And I just, I'm dying because I'm like, how, it's such a black box. You don't know why there, why something does well and why something doesn't. And I have listened to endless hours of, you know, uh, of advice from so-called experts about the best way to do Instagram and social media. And at the end of the day, of course, there's the the basics that you should do. You know, have good quality um, pictures. You should write thoughtful content. You should be aware of what's going on in your space. Of course, everyone's doing those things. But there are thousands and thousands of people posting amazing content that get no likes. So there's a lot of luck involved. There's a lot of things that you don't know. And I think for me, it's so stressful to think I want to do this well. I'm a hard worker. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to change. But sometimes none of those things affect you. So for me, I try and not think about those things in order to, I try and think about the content itself. I try and think about my community. I try and make each post just a beautiful thing in itself that has doesn't have anything to do with all those other things I just mentioned. And then I can feel good about that post and not have to think of it as a cog in a, in a wheel of a larger machine. Because I know that people that are really run social media as a business, they are very strategic on every single element. But for me, when the more strategic I become, the more unhappy I am because I can't control. I can't do everything perfectly and then get the exact result that I want. And when you see that re, that cycle repeating itself, where I could spend like I have spent three hours before on one Instagram post, you know, just editing in the video and writing this perfect text and then not have it do well. And I think, why am I spending all this time? So. I yeah I had to to have peace within myself I have to focus on the community part of it because this is why I do it I mean at the end of the day I don't running it as a business is kind of a fun hobby but it's not my end goal I know some people start blogging or social media influencing because they want to make money out of it for me it's more just helping justify the amount of time that I put into a passion project and so I want to focus on all those wonderful messages that I get back from people that say, oh, thank you for helping our family have a great time here or there. Those keep me going. And that's what I try and focus on with the social media. Because I mean, even just this week, I was like, I'm deleting my entire Instagram account. I can't take it anymore. This is so frustrating. I just like, I'm going to do my last campaign and then just quit it all. Because it's, I want to be happy in my life and my life. I don't want to be just the marketing machine that's, you know, trolling products for other people. This is not my, this is not my goal in life. <laughs> so I have to continually come back to my reason for doing this. And that is helping people. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your heart out on that. <laughs> uh, it sounds so much like my uh, my account is really small in, on Instagram, but it's uh, the fact that you mentioned comparison. Uh, 
so when you are comparing on your level, I'm comparing on my small, really small, mini micro <laughs> level that I compare. And uh, I sometimes feel that it's it's uh, not worth the time and effort that I put in and I should probably get off it because it doesn't help um, in any way. So I, it resonates completely. But before... Before continuing with the podcast, I would like to share some information about my other podcast, Brainstorm. This podcast is for kids and I host it together with my daughter, Vanya. Have a listen. Hello everyone, I'm Vanya. I'm six years old and a huge Harry Potter fan. Hi, I'm Nidhi. I'm 40 years old. And together, each fortnight, we introduce you to people, books, and movies that will inspire and uplift you. Brainstorm, our new podcast is Food for Thought, which sparks great conversation with your kids. We also have a flavor of the fortnight where you, our listeners, can contribute on important themes in our calendar. Now, back to the podcast. Two points that came to my mind. Uh, first is um, in terms of your engagement, uh, just very sincerely, whenever I have reached out to you asking for a hike on Instagram or you immediately respond, that's one amazing element that I find um, that you are so prompt in responding. And immediately you gave me the details of the hotel and uh, what all we can do there. So uh, it's, uh, as you rightly said, that it's the engagement with the community that you really value and you do that, you build that community and you put in the time to make that happen. So if you, if you, um, if sometimes maybe we don't, get, you don't get, get that response, it's not, uh, it's not that there is, uh, uh, you, your community is not liking your material. Maybe it's just that people didn't have a chance to look at it and, but we really value what you're doing. And we really appreciate the time and effort you put into it. And also the sincerity aspect that you're so sincere and you quickly respond to your messages. It's That is something that I really appreciate about you. That's one as aspect that I wanted to say. Oh, thank and you so much. That, <laughs> thank no, you. I, I, I really mean that. Um, and the second one was uh, when you said that... Um, uh, it's become really stressful. Did it start becoming stressful only when the Instagram element came into the picture when you were blogging for the last, you have been blogging for the last 15 years now? So was before pre-Instagram stage, was that uh, was that a calm and more uh, satisfied stage, so to speak? Absolutely, because I wasn't focused on growing. I was just enjoying posting new content and it was really fun. And as soon as I had to focus on uh, growing my numbers for the brands and delivering on uh, statistics because after every uh, sponsored work that I do, I have to send them uh, screenshots of the statistics of every post that I do. And so I have to say, I'm really sorry, but this one, I mean, I don't say I'm really sorry. I'm just like, this is how it did. And I did my best and this is the statistics. So um, it's uh, sometimes I feel really, self-conscious. I mean, I've never had anyone complain where they're like, oh, these numbers are too low. Uh, but sometimes they're very low because also Instagram, any, I'm, I always market as sponsored content. 
I always use the branding tools within Instagram and Facebook because I, first of all, that's following the rules legally. Um, it's also required by the professional organization that I um, am a member of. So they want everyone to be really clear about what content is sponsored. And I know, I watch all of my competitors, they are doing sponsored work all the time and they they never tag it or they very rarely tag it. And it's because it's because Instagram and Facebook will, in their algorithm, not show your content if as to as many people if it's tagged as sponsored. And I know oh, that so it's very unfair, but that's how it is. And so I'm, I feel it's so it's very unfair for my because they know that their posts will get more reach, more organic reach if they don't tag it. And so for me, because I am an influencer, it's totally clear to me when they're doing sponsored content, but to the, to users or to their followers that aren't so clued in, I mean, when I see them at a hotel, I'm like, well, this entire trip was, was, and their meal and everything was comped and they probably got paid for it. But for some people, they may not notice that. And so I think it's just really it, I mean, it's unfair, but that's just how it is. And I've chosen for myself that I'm going to continue to tag things sponsored because I think, first of all, I want to I want to follow the rules and I want it to be clear to my users as well. You know, that there is, and I try and be as honest about all the all the experiences that I do, but there is an influence because I'm trying to do also a good job for the people I'm working for. So I may you know, talk a little more positively or maybe ignore some of the smaller things that I didn't like because I am doing work. And when I tag it as sponsored, I think that's clear. But to your original, to your original question, uh, yes, I was definitely much less stressed before I started doing sponsored work. But it's also my internal um, drive is that I really like to do a good job. I wouldn't say that I'm a perfectionist, but I like... I, I'm a people pleaser. I like my followers and my employers to be happy with what I do. So it's really important that I do a good job. And that gives me stress that that I want to perform at a really high level for them. And so when I was just doing it for myself, uh, I didn't have as much pressure. <laughs> yeah. But you do a great job, Tanya. Oh, and that's like, really nice. I'm coming back again. Maybe I'm sounding repetitive. I've gone on a broken record or something. But you do a great job. If I look at your blog, in terms of value add or the information that I'm seeking, it's really one place that I have to go to if I'm looking at that particular mountain that I have to visit. I don't have to worry about going to my Switzerland or any other blog to get all the information. Everything is there. And I just have to be careful because... Every family has their own um, uh, risk appetite in that sense. So I just have to see, okay, does this hike suit my family and my kids? But apart from that, every bit of detail is uh, logged in there. And I can just check that out and just trust that and go ahead. So um, great job doing that. Thank so you. please continue doing that. I know it's a, it's a, you are pushed and pulled between the Instagram and the blogging. I guess maybe it's a new element in your journey. And as you go along, the way you have mastered blogging and made it more uh, like a template, maybe you'll have a template for the future to deal with Instagram and it won't bother you anymore. I, I really hope that happens. Yeah, I hope I hope I can figure that out better. I feel like I think there's definitely room for me to improve and to understand these uh, platforms better. I 
you know, there's just, there's only so much time, you know, I'm also working part-time as a web designer. I have my family to take care of and I have this project and it's just, there's so many things that I want to do and it's trying to figure out where my time is best, um, best spent, you know, it's really, yeah, it's hard, but I would just wanted to mention also with the blog, I did start running advertising on the blog last October And this Mm -hmm. is something I have resisted the entire time at the blog, because I'm sure the same for you. We all are annoyed by advertising. I don't like looking at it on the website, but uh, a friend encouraged me to add it. And now I am earning, um, you know, a nice small amount from showing ads on the website. And although I hate it, it does give me a lot of freedom because with Mm -hmm. sponsored posts, I have to please that sponsor, but with advertising, it doesn't matter. I earn money anyway. And I think my long-term uh, goal would be that the I fund everything through the advertising and I'm not beholden to anyone because yeah. it, it just goes as it goes. So that's something I'm still learning and trying to um, do the advertising on the blog in a way that's not as annoying. <laughs> but I've, I haven't been doing it for very long and I, yeah, I need some, to invest some time into it. But that's also been interesting. And I do encourage other influencers because a lot of them are only on social media and they don't have a blog. And right. I feel like the blog, well, the blog, I get the most traffic on. This, I see. this is the core part of my offering. And I say this to all of the brands that I collaborate with because my numbers are quite small. I mean, mm-hmm. for on Instagram, I don't even have 10,000 followers yet, which is you know really driving me crazy because I... Because I want that swipe up, you know, that's all I want is the swipe up. But, uh, you know, on the blog this summer, I was getting well over 200,000 views um, a month. So, you know, my blog following is huge. I mean, there's plenty that are much, much bigger, but I mean, in in comparison. And so when I um, pitch brands, I'm always including my media kit and I I promote the blog numbers way over the social media numbers, because that's where I'm getting the most traffic. And those persist over time. I might have a, po- a new blog post that maybe in the, in when I first promote it, when I first post it, it only gets maybe five, 600 views, but over the lifespan of my blog, some of these have 50,000 views, you know, like over the past two years. So this is something that that their brand grows over time and doesn't just die with you know, over 24 hours in one Instagram story. Yeah, that's true. That makes a lot of sense. Actually, that brings me to my personal question that I wanted to ask since I'm hanging out with you. So <laughs> I, um, um, and I wouldn't get an opportunity to hang out with you again <laughs> soon. So I would, I would be selfish and ask this question. So I am uh, running a podcast for kids and one is for women. And I don't have a blog and I'm, uh, my Instagram is really small. Uh, so in that sense, how do I... Um, and the purpose of Instagram really is to uh, to get an, get audience to my, to my podcast. So how do I strategize and what other mediums or tools should I employ to... Uh, to reach out to more people? So first I would say I find Instagram really an effective uh, method of driving people to my website because you can't click through on a post. So even if people are super excited, you have to take that extra step of going, I say link in bio and they have to go 
in my bio and click the link. And in my statistics, even with a thousand likes on a photo, like two people click through on that link. So it's super ineffective. I don't like it. That's why I want the swipe up because the swipe up means that they can go directly from my story directly to my website. So then I will love Instagram because it'll be a real direct link between the my community and the content that I'm producing. And at the moment, I don't have that. So I really don't like Instagram for that. However, if you do spend a small amount of money, if you want to promote yourself, and I've seen other influencers do this, it's really effective to do um, regular campaigns. I mean, like pay Instagram to advertise your posts because then in that case, you can link directly to your website through the sponsored uh, post on Instagram. So this is a really good way of growing your audience quickly at the beginning. I've seen a lot of other influencers do this when they were first growing. And when you pay for an ad on Instagram, of course, they're promo- they're motivated to show it to more people. So um, I would definitely recommend doing that. I like Facebook better because you can directly link to your website. So for me, web- Facebook is much more effective in terms of getting people to look at my content. So I... You know, a, I might have somewhere between 50 and 200 people click through on a link if I put it on Facebook. And my Facebook's not that large. I have maybe 5,000 people that are following me. And if I have a really good viral kind of post, then I might get over 500 people clicking. But that, I find, is a much better way to build the community community um, in terms of getting them to your content at the mm-hmm. beginning. Um, and, I, and on your Facebook, you're talking about your um, Swiss Family Fun Facebook page. Yes, Is that so, what you're talking about? exactly. So not my personal okay. page, but you would definitely want to have a business page or the group, uh, not a group, but the, um, I think it's a business page. So yeah, that's, I find that much more effective for getting the content out. But I do, and I've done ads, I've boosted posts on both Instagram and Facebook and they are sometimes effective. I mean, I never spend more than 20 francs. I mean, I just don't want to spend a lot of money on that. I know other people spend a lot, uh, but I'm not willing to spend a huge amount. I'm not making that much. <laughs> but if you want to grow faster, the more you spend, the more people that are going to see your posts. The other thing is you have to consider your audience. I mean, of course, I'm in my 40s and my audience is older. They're not in their 20s. And so they use social media in a very different way than younger people use social media. And they don't, they don't necessarily spend as much time as younger people do. So I have to keep that in mind as well, that, you know, my reach is going to only go so far. <laughs> um, I don't know what else to suggest. I mean, you could have a blog associated with your podcast. I mean, like a lot of the podcasts that I listen to have a blog where they just summarize the article and then have a link to the podcast. I think that's helpful for future reference and it does allow Google to find you. And I think that's helpful as well because when people are searching for things, it's nice to have lots of different media channels come up. You know, I also have a YouTube channel and one of my main ideas behind the YouTube channel is it's just another search engine. So they say that YouTube is, I don't know, it might even be more than Google. I mean, people search for things on YouTube as they might do on Google. And so if they come across my video and can click through to my blog, 
this is a great way to get more people to my content. So that's how I think of YouTube. And for you, for the podcast, I don't know how podcasts work exactly, but you want people when they Google whatever topic you're podcasting about, how are they going to get to your podcast? And they typically are not getting links to wherever your podcast is on Spotify or Stitcher or something. You need a landing place where they can be like, oh yeah, I do want to listen to that. And I think that's the primary primary reason to have a blog that's connected to your podcast. Right. Um, it's, I was thinking of, uh, in terms of a blog, I was thinking of posting whatever podcasts I record, a uh, summary of them on my LinkedIn, because that is like I could put, make an article on it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I was just listening yesterday to a great podcast about LinkedIn and how LinkedIn is becoming the next uh, Google. You know, this is where so much content is getting posted and people are using that now as another primary way of searching for content. So I think LinkedIn is a great place to be posting your summaries as well. Perfect. Yeah. Because that, that way I don't have to um, really dedicate time to build another uh, platform for myself and learn how to do it from scratch which i've been doing for most of the things that i'm doing yeah me too so that would, yeah linkedin would be uh, a great place Perfect. Yeah, thank you so I'm, much i'm a big fan of reusing content i think that's for t- uh, saving our time is that absolutely just don't try and create new content just take summaries of the content you're already creating and post them on lots of different channels yeah sounds good and um, just just to round up what we have discussed so far, what is your mission or goal for the future in terms of uh, in terms of your website and uh, your brand? This is a very good question. I am always thinking about what my goal is. My husband always says, "He's like, if you don't have a goal, how will you ever know when you've reached it?" And I think that is really important. <laughs> uh, it's it's hard for me to say because. I think if I set goals from a business standpoint, it's very difficult to control how you reach them. It's not a matter of just setting up the steps. I go through those steps and then I can reach that goal. So for me, that's very frustrating. I think that, you know, down the road that I definitely will always write about the hikes. That's the core of what I do. I love doing it. I'm never going to stop doing that. I think that I want to grow the audience and this is why I changed the name of it a couple of years ago is that I have so many people that are not families that don't have children that follow the blog and love it. And so my, one of my big goals is to really expand uh, who my audience is because I want to reach everyone who wants to spend time in the outdoors. So that's part of what I want to do uh, in terms of working with brands. This is really an open question for me. I don't know how much more I want to do that. It, I, I'm really uh, very undecided about how I want to um, continue working with with brands. It's not that I've been mistreated. I've, they've treated me very well, and I've had a lot of great collaborations, but it's very stressful for me, and I'm not sure how I want to do that going forward. But I will definitely keep the core. Like I said, I love it. I love the community, and I want to be part of it. Uh, and I don't ever want to lose that connection with all these other people that either love Switzerland already or learning to love it. That's my favorite part about it. Yeah. I think I forgot to ask this question that how much time do you spend writing each day? Do you have a dedicated time slot and that you must write? 
I'm not much of a planner. So I mean, I, I'm kind of half half. I love to plan my hikes. Uh, but in terms of scheduling my life, I'm quite bad at it. So I really do things when I feel like I have to do them. I am a night owl. So I tend to do a lot of my work. Yeah, I do a lot of my best work from like 11 o'clock till 1am. And I, I do try and schedule out sometimes I'll write up a calendar and then think, okay, I want to get this many blog posts out. This is especially in Switzerland, there's a lot of seasonal things that happen, a lot of events mm-hmm. that are happening, and I want to schedule them out. And I also have a calendar of all the content I've produced over the last few years that I can say, oh, okay, it's September, I need to post about picking wild blueberries, I need to talk about the pumpkin festival, you know, there's all these things each month that I always talk about. So yeah. that is always there. I mean, in terms, I this week on Sunday afternoon, I wrote three blog posts, or, I think three. And I thought, oh, this is great. If I can just block out, you know, a certain amount of time, knock them on, then I don't have to think about them during the week. It makes the whole week flow better rather than trying to always play catch up. (laughs) But I also, and I'm not so great about it, but what I do try and do is always post something on Fridays to get people inspiration for the weekends. And I do have an email newsletter that goes out every Friday. So that's always motivation for me to, hopefully on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, write something. So I have something ready for people But I also come home from my activities and I've done the social media already and got people excited about whatever hike I did on Saturday. And then people are sending all these messages like, you got to tell me where it is. Send me the trail map. Like everyone's excited. So then sometimes Saturday night, I just spend three hours writing the post and get it out Sunday morning because people really, really want the information. So I'm just in some ways I'm a planner in some ways I'm very impulsive and I try and take the opportunities that come and seize them right away. And instead of trying to be really regimented, I know that adds stress to my life because I know other people are like, I always write on Tuesdays or I always block out two, hour, two hours in the morning. For me, it just doesn't work out that way. As it's customary, I'll have a rapid fire round where you can answer the question in uh, as rapidly and as concisely as you can. So the first question is uh, one interesting fact about you that not many of us are aware of. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's try and think. This is hard. Um, well, I can say I'm a big White Stripes fan. So this is a band that I've followed for many years and now they don't exist anymore. But my house is full of White Stripes posters and We've gone to many, many shows in many countries. And this was yeah, a big fun thing that we did traveling around back in days when you could travel. So I can say so that. So a big shout out to them then. <laughs> yes. In that case. Perfect. Uh, eating seafood on San Francisco Pier 39 or a picnic barbecue on a Swiss mountain? Oh, that's a very hard choice. I'm going to say eating seafood in San Francisco because I haven't done it in so long. Yeah, I would guess that as well. Instagram or blogging? I think I know the answer, but... 100% blogging. (laughs) Perfect. Got that. Uh, The toughest hike you have done so far? Ooh, well... Well, I'm going to say this. um, Zay Vili Zay. I didn't take the kids on this one because I thought that they would hate it. It was extremely hard, and I'm still not sure I would take them, but it was worth it. It was gorgeous. (laughs) 
Which which canton is it in? This is in Uri, and it. I think some people on the blog may have seen it. There's a picture of this open air uh, gondola, or yeah, it's just like a little car where four people could squeeze in, and it's open air. It's a very scary ride, and then you basically just have to hike straight up the mountain, like 900 meters to the lake, and then hike straight back down. So the hike itself was not amazing, but the destination was. Great, perfect. How long did that take? Oh, I think that was four or five hours there and back. I was with a friend, my friend that I often hike with, and she likes to trail run. So we pushed it quite hard that day and had to get back before the kids got home from school. So that was a tough one. Great. Never have I ever quit a hike because it was too tough. Yeah, correct. No, I don't. I'm not a quitter on the hikes. I'm 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 always the person who pushes us even farther. In fact, just yesterday, I was on a hike with my friend. And we had an option to hike a little further to a lookout point. And I said, should we do it? Should we not? And we were both hum-ha. And I said, I'm always the person that wants to see around the corner. So for me, my family is usually the one that said, let's turn around. It's raining or whatever. And I'm always like, but I want to see what's out there. So for me, I've always got to go that next kilometer. Right. Uh, I thought I would get some uh, leeway once I listened to your uh, quitting story. I would say, okay, Tanya has done it. So can I. No, you can have that road for me. No, 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 no. You can quit. And actually, this has been an important lesson for me is to know when it's time to quit with the kids. Like, for, I always try and encourage us to keep going, but it's really yeah. important to keep the trust of your children and your hiking partners because you never, I never want to push it to the point where someone's angry or they have a negative memory. So for me, yeah. there's always a balance between, and I have to check myself because I'm like, personally, I don't want to quit. But when I'm with the group, I'm very, very sensitive to the mood of the group and how they're enjoying it. And there's been plenty of times where I had to say, okay, I'm not going to see that today. And so for me, it's always, I'm going to come back. So I just, I'm allowing myself to say not today, but definitely in the future. And I mean, with children, I, we have quit a million hikes because (laughs) I mean, I've had tantrums where they just lay on the ground for 20 minutes and won't move. We've had lots of fails, bad weather, lightning storms. I mean, I have a, a bunch of posts that are just our fails. This, that's, something that I had to learn to be okay with. And it was a great life lesson for me to say, everyone needs to be, to have a positive experience by the end. Doesn't necessarily mean every moment is positive, but in your memory, you look back and think, oh, that was interesting. We survived something. We endured something. We enjoyed that time together. And not that mom made me do it. And that was horrible. I don't want anyone to grow up thinking that. Sounds good. So to wrap it up, what was the most memorable hike that you have done so far in in Switzerland or beyond? Yeah, I guess this is the first one that comes to my mind. There would maybe be others, but the first one is the Pizzol Five Lakes hike. And the reason I picked this is it was on my list for a long time. It felt unattainable because it's a hard hike and my kids were young and I felt sometimes that we'd never get there. And when we did it, I feel emotional right now, actually. When we did it, I think my youngest was eight. And mm-hmm. just the right, it was just the right age. And he had the right ability to just barely do that hike. And we went with friends. We had a great time. He didn't complain. It was an amazing experience. And it's not, it's a very popular hike. So it's not like you're all by yourself, which is something that I usually like on a hike. But for this one, 
it was like a goal that I had had for the future. And we finally reached it. And I had this, it was all of this time that I had invested in my children to train them how to hike. And it was Mm -hmm. finally realized in this hike. So for me, it's very symbolic. And I think of this hike as, as just the culmination of all of those sad, terrible times of trying to get them to, you know, walk one kilometer. And now they were able to do 12 kilometers up and down these mountains faster than I could. And it was just a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful view. It was beautiful to be there with my children. And it was beautiful to to reach this goal. So I guess that's what I would answer. Great. What a perfect, uh, memorable hike that you (laughs) shared with us. And where was this again? This is at Pizzol. Uh, it's the Five Lake Hike. It's very popular. It has five lakes along. Okay. And yeah, it's it's gorgeous. On the blog, of course. Perfect. Yes. Everything is on uh, Tanya's blog, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Really? Thank you, Tanya. Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed it. Um, it didn't feel like um, a podcast episode. It was uh, so much more like a conversation, which I uh, just relaxed into and I really enjoyed it talking to you and listening to you more than that oh i did too thank you so much i love talking about the things i'm passionate about so thanks for giving me the opportunity perfect all right tanya have a good day aasha karte hain ki aapko ye sochcast bahut pasand aaya agar kuch kehna hai iske bare mein to likh kar bataiye hame apne facebook aur instagram page par sochcast dhoondiye agar aapko apni soch duniya ko sunani ho to sochcast karo sochcast